on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. As always, we'll start the show with some genre-related news. Last week saw release of the first official footage from Zack Snyder's version of Justice League. It features Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and includes a look at Darkseid. The so-called Snyder Cut will be available on streaming service HBO Max in early 2021. But in the meantime, you can view the clip on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Fantastic Forum. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. An anniversary earlier this week is June 23rd marked 31 years since the domestic theatrical debut of Tim Burton's Batman starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. The film was produced by Michael Uslan and returned the character to his darker, grittier roots after the light-hearted camp treatment of the 1960s ABC TV series, and audiences loved it. The film elevated Batman to the position of DC's number one character and led to a resurgence of the character in animation and motion pictures. And sad news as two genre-related performers passed away. British actor Sir Ian Holm died on June 19th. Sir Ian was known to genre audiences as the android Ash in Ridley Scott's Alien. He was 88. And on June 23rd, American motion picture director Joel Schumacher died at the age of 81. Schumacher was known to genre audiences as the director of such films as The Lost Boys and Batman Forever. Today, we're talking about the pop culture juggernaut that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Joining me today on this special coronavirus edition of Fantastic Forum, because of course, we are observing social distancing, we are quarantining in place, and I've got a wonderful panel that has been hand-picked just for this particular topic. Joining me are Drew Bittner. Say hi, Drew. Hello. Uh, Emily Witten. Hi there. And courtesy of the Great Geek Refuge, Mike Lunsford. Welcome Hello. to the show, everybody. Yeah. So, Thank you. Good to yeah. be here. So, uh, of course... Uh, well, before we get on with the uh, the main discussion topic, I did want to observe that, uh, and you know, of course, I mentioned this uh, in the in the opening of the show. But uh, a couple of deaths this week that I thought were noteworthy. I thought we might take a couple of moments to observe the fine careers of both Sir Ian Holm and uh, Joel Schumacher. Now, of course, because uh, Ian Holm passed away a few days earlier, I thought we might uh, start with him. And, uh, you know, a very fine British actor who is uh, well-known uh, to everybody who loves the genres, uh, you know, was in Brazil, you know, which is uh, a classic sci-fi movie from the early 80s. Um, I had not realized that this was the same guy who had been in Alien. I mean, I knew about the Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. stuff, 
but, you know, had been an alien, you know, had been Ash, the, uh, the android, and, uh, you know, also had been in uh, The Day After Tomorrow. So I was, uh, but I was, I was shocked. Um, how, how did you guys feel about uh, Sir Ian Holm and his uh, very distinguished career? I'll jump in. Um, I know that everyone's going to be, I mean, his, his, you know, memorials were full of, you know, Ash from Aliens and Bilbo Baggins. And, of course, these were very, very, very big movies. But, I mean, he was great in so many other things, too. I mean, he was um, the coach Sam Musabini in Chariots of Fire. You know, he was in so many things. He apparently did an amazing King Lear. I mean, all this stuff, so... And he was Richard III as well. Lots of Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, just a phenomenal actor, and and so good, and and it's one of those guys that he just disappears into a part so so easily. He's such a chameleon, Mm -hmm. and and I think that it's it is a good. It would be a good thing for us to acknowledge, as they say, the man in full, and acknowledge all the parts that went into this career. And you look at his filmography; it's really just amazing. So. so yeah, I mean, I, I was I was very sad to hear of his passing. I mean, 88 is a very good age to reach. Uh, there's certainly no, you know, oh my gosh, he went too young kind of thing. Um, yeah, so it's kind of kind of bittersweet, and you know, we just say thank you and farewell. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but um, he he was also I had forgotten that he was the physician in From Hell. Like I, I he he Drew's right. He he fades into a role, not in a bad way, but he he's uh enveloped by the roles that he's in or he plays them so well that I had forgotten that he's the physician in that movie and he's really good you know I mean he's been in so many things where I see like like Drew was saying I've looked at it and I'm like oh yeah he was in the fifth element he was in from hell so I just thought that was really great and also I just want to point out because I know where you're going next Yuli that he played J.M. Barry in the award-winning BBC miniseries The Lost Boys just saying (laughs) <laughs> yes, and that is a wonderful segue to uh, mentioning the work of Joel Schumacher, you know, who also uh, sadly left us earlier this week. And, uh, you know, of course, Joel Schumacher having been the director of the aforementioned Lost Boys. Well, a, so, diff- a different Lost Boys, a completely different Lost Boys. Yes, Yes, still, the, still and, a good segue though. Yeah, Bravo. Yeah, well, uh, yes. yeah, yeah, and that's why I was leaning on it. It's like, yeah, so. <laughs> but, exactly uh, my point. Mm-hmm, yeah, you know, uh, Flatliners, Batman and Robin, um, uh, Incredible Shrinking Woman. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, in addition to his, uh, you know, because I we we because of the focus of this show, uh, we we look at the genre related stuff. But his non-genre stuff, honestly, I liked more. Uh, Falling Down, um, mm-hmm. uh, A Time to Kill, 8mm, you know, I mean, this guy... The Clients, The Clients yeah. and other Fire. Google movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, Phantom of the Opera, too, you know? I mean, yeah. big he, performance. Yeah. I, always, I always feel bad because he, his Batman movies are so maligned by so many fans and what a lot of people are not realizing about that is is he did exactly what the studio asked him to do, like almost to a T. And in retrospect, if you can just like, you know, chill with like the, the hatred for those movies and watch them, 
and watch them for what they're worth, they're they're really enjoyable. And like from the perspective of like I think I was 13 when Batman Forever came out, the movie is fun and it's a decent Batman flick. Yes, there's flaws with it. There's errors with it, whatever. It's a lot of fun. And it was the exact opposite of what Burton had been doing, which was very, very dark, very dark Batman. And this one lightened it up. The city was livelier. There was neon lights everywhere. And and like Bath- and Gotham City had like a, a personality to it. And Val Kilmer, say what you will, I thought made a pretty decent Batman. I mean, an okay Bruce Wayne, but a pretty decent Batman. And Batman and Robin is so over-the-top, ridiculous, tongue-in-cheek. Oh, yeah. That, like, you can't help... i to say about that. <laughs> you can't help but, like, if you, you just watch it and just laugh at how bad it is. Like, I... It's... That movie is ridiculous! But it, it was is. fun to watch! And exactly. I have to... I'm gonna out myself as a uh, person who hasn't seen every Batman in the theater, but before the Christopher Nolan movies, guess what Batman movies I had seen in the theater? One, Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, and I would challenge you, Mike, on uh, Batman Forever being maligned. I, I think that that movie, uh, particularly because of Jim Carrey's performance, I mean, I remember that being a, not only a big movie at the time, but a very well-received Batman movie, you know, coming after Batman and Batman Return. But, you know, Joel Schumacher, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, he did what the studio wanted, um, you know, Batman Forever. A lot of stars attached to it did very well. I didn't care as much for Batman and Robin, but I think they really kind of went over the top, especially with Schwarzenegger. And um, well, they 100 uh, percent did. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, if you watch the behind the scenes footage, I will, say, footage I will too, never forget so that movie. Yeah, I, but oh. I will never forget that movie. I remember it uh, fairly vividly, even though I have not rewatched it at all, as far as I can recall, and I haven't seen it in years. But I remember it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but Uma Thurman, uh, you know, was the other person that stood out for for, for, for that for me. Yeah, yeah, you know, although you know there was a lot of stuff. I mean, ultimately, the, some of the stuff that they changed. I mean, like making Batgirl Commissioner Gordon's niece or what? Sorry, sorry, Alfred's niece. Sorry, I'm like, come on, Batgirl is Barbara Gordon. How are you gonna make her somebody else? It's like that was. I, I there was a lot of stuff that they that they just jacked up in that movie. But what I liked was George Clooney. I mean, I thought he made a really great Bruce Wayne, and up until I saw Ben Affleck in the role, I thought George Clooney was probably, like, you know, one of the best Bruce Waynes that I've seen. You know? so, I'm still a big Christian Bale fan. I really like the Nolan, two of the three of the Nolan movies. So they're, yeah, I, the first two Nolan movies. I, I will I will say this I think I think Bale did a, did an okay job I think that um, I think Clooney had the potential to be a much much better Batman than he was able to be given the story and everything else so I think if we'd seen him in a movie that came up to the level of like Batman Begins or you know Dark Knight seeing him in that he would have been amazing in it. Yeah, and, I did think he was you know. good. I did. I'm not saying I didn't, but I do. I have a soft spot for the Christian Bale Batman. But yes, I think Clooney was a good Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner, Emily Witten, and Mike Lunsford. And uh, we have just been talking about the life and career of the late Joel Schumacher who passed away on June 22nd. 
And uh, I mean, we sort of went down the Batman rabbit hole, but yeah, fabulous career for uh, Mr. Schumacher. Uh, his uh, he will be missed, but of course, his work will live on forever. So we're going straight to the uh, primary topic for today's show, which is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, a lot has been made out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, mostly money uh, and, um, of course, the influence in terms of pop culture, uh, unrivaled. Uh, it seems that uh, what Kevin Feige has uh, brought together, <laughs> let no man <laughs> tear asunder, <laughs> so, so to speak, this juggernaut that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe is now expanding its tendrils. You know, we've got these uh, streaming shows that are going to be coming out on Disney+, Plus, and while production has been interrupted due to the coronavirus crisis, it seems as if next month a lot of Hollywood studios, as far as the really big productions, are going to be starting up again. I mean, I can tell you just from uh, the uh, meager... Uh, things that I do and uh, the minimal knowledge I have of the industry and what I've been doing, uh, those productions are beginning to uh, go back into production and, uh, of course, taking certain precautions, whether it's having key uh, members of the production crew, your director participating remotely via Zoom or uh, WebEx or something like that, to everybody having to use the personal protective equipment when they are not on set in some cases having to use personal protective equipment on set or uh, different types of effects to uh, simulate uh, a number of people in a single room rather than having actual cast members there so that this is i mean personally I think it's madness because none of this is over you know we are still dealing with the ravages of the virus and the virus is expanding. Uh, there that are is more infections. True. Uh, you know, but it seems as if the USA is back open for business. And while I feel like we have given up, um, you know, it does seem that uh, production is at least going to be restarted. On uh, well, but Yuli, can we take one? Hawkeye can we take one second to uh, to say everyone should continue to wash your hands with soap for at least twenty seconds each time with the soap before you rinse it and wear your masks and social distance six feet plus apart from people, please do not endanger yourself and others. Please be careful. What is happening is production is ramping up again on all of these major projects. Uh, what is it? Uh, WandaVision. Um, uh, oh, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the other one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so, but, you know, all that to say that, uh, you know, this, this juggernaut that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe that continues to extend its reach uh, through streaming services and uh, and the comic books and television uh, you know productions and all of that um, I'm just sort of wondering uh, you know what uh, what do you guys think about this uh, you know how do you I mean obviously we love the movies in fact even Mike I saw you've been doing a rewatch I uh, have and in some cases oh, first watch <laughs> of some a la Ant-Man and the Wasp that I couldn't believe that you hadn't seen it all before you watched it. It, it was, was like, oh. here's the thing, right? So like scoff at me all you will, but with the, I, 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 have, an 
I have an 11 year old son, and for the most part, when it comes to seeing movies in the theater, I, I want it to be with him. I don't want to go to the theater by myself. I want to share the experience with him. And Ant Man and the Wasp, not saying that it wouldn't have been uh, okay for him to watch, it probably was fine. But like, it, I'm not going to force him to go think, see things that he doesn't want to see. So I will see it in my own time, which I I definitely did. I, it was after the fact. <laughs> But, like, it was, it just wasn't a priority for me. The priority was Infinity War. The priority was Endgame. Like, and I made sure that I saw those. And, like, as long as I knew what happened, which I did, because the internet is never quiet, I knew exactly what happened at the end. And I was like, oh, okay, so this will tie it all. Okay, got it. Sweet. And, like, I was, I was good. How, I was fine. how do you feel about that choice now? I'm curious, having seen it now. What do yeah. you think? Which, which movies did you enjoy more? Oh, which ones did I enjoy more? Oh, man. Um, yeah. Guardians- Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh, well, I, yeah. But I, I meant I meant Ant-Man and the Wasp versus uh, uh like the more the more uh, you know, all-encompassing Endgame, etc., like the big Avengers ones, you know, that you did prioritize. I'm just curious. So, so the ones that I enjoyed the most I, are still the individual ones. The, my favorite movie is still my favorite individual one and that's the uh, Captain America First Avenger. Like that is still my mm. that is still my favorite one. I think that one really really holds up well. Um, it just that I, I also have a soft spot for that that time period. Like when we go to Disney World, like Hollywood Studios is my favorite park because I love that like 1940s golden age Hollywood thing, and like mm-hmm. that it's it's basically set in that time period. And Cap has always been my favorite Avenger. But um, well, I cannot re- fault you for that as one of the choices for sure because he uh, that is one of my favorites. I have many favorites, but that's you know, one. That actually, uh, I think, is a wonderful place to start with this. And I hadn't intended to kind of go there. But, um, Emily, uh, so um, Mike has just said that his favorite of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies is Captain America, the first Avenger. That's why I'm thinking it's a wonderful place to start. So what is your favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe picture? So... Okay, here's the thing. There are movies that you really enjoy, and there are movies that you really want to rewatch, and there are movies that become your comfort movies. I'm just asking which is your... I I cannot answer you without this answer, Yuli. That's what I'm telling you. This is the thing. I have... Ever since I was a small child, I have hated the question of, what's your favorite book? What's your favorite movie? I cannot choose, but I can give you a star cluster of favorites. So for instance, I will run them down very quickly for you, Yuli, because I know we've not got tons of time. Uh, wait, 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 Iron Man. Are, are there are more than three. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'm looking at the list right now. I'm looking at the list. We'll see what comes out of my mouth. We'll see. All right. Iron Man is fantastic because Robert Downey Jr. came from a surprising place to be like, oh my gosh, I have now captured your heart, says Iron Man, this character that only some people even knew about. Although I do think he was more well-known than some people say in the comics world at that point, especially the the story about his drinking and struggle with that. But um, Iron Man came out of it because it started the whole thing. So I always have a soft spot for that. Thor came out of it as one of my favorites because I saw the trailer and I thought, this looks awful. And then I watched it and I thought, this is delightful. If they had marketed marketed it as a fish-out-of-water romantic comedy, I would have been like, oh, all right, that sounds fun. But they marketed it as like this grim like ice giant war thing. And I was like, all right, whatever. But then I saw it and I was like, this is amazing. Kenneth Branagh, I love it, you know. So Captain America, the first Avenger, I echo Mike's sentiments on that. I don't have to go into it in too much detail because he already said it. 
And then Guardians of the Galaxy is just so much fun. It is so much fun in the same way that Ant-Man is so much fun. So they're like smaller stories about individual units or people that have the humor and the fun and the style of, you know, like exciting storytelling. Doctor Strange is delightful. Doctor Strange gets his comeuppance as an arrogant person. I will edit myself. And he then becomes really freaking cool. And there's humor and there's craziness and there's magic and I love it. Spider-Man oh, is Okay, wait, Spider-Man. wait, stop, stop, stop there. What, what are we not? Spider-Man Homecoming doesn't count. You can't take them all. No, you can't. You can't The Marvel Cinematic Universe is so much fun. And I get the point. Drew, what is your favorite? Julie, it's so much fun. I'll make the favorite. Let me say one more. Black Panther is very, very amazing. Has one of the best villains out there outside of Loki. I'm done. I'm not really done, but I'm done for now. You're welcome. Drew. What, what is your, what yeah, is your... well, Emily didn't leave me an awful lot to pick from, so, you know. <laughs> I guess I could use Blade, I guess. Yeah, it's like, you know, gee, Ghost Rider, you know, what's, what's, what's left, uh, you know. Um, I'd, I'd, say one of, I'd say one of my favorites, honestly, in the Marvel no, Cinematic it, Universe is, is not. Huh? No, I was going to say, it doesn't matter if you repeat something that somebody else said, because I'm just asking about your favorite. Oh, I know. Totally I know. I'm just, just ignore me. Just, I can't choose. That's my point. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just hazing Emily. That's all. Um, <laughs> no, the, how awesome Thor Ragnarok is. <laughs> thanks, Emily. Just take Emily, them all. Just you're, all you're, of Emily, them. Emily, <laughs> now, now. Um, Drew's time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, my my personal favorite is not technically a Marvel movie. It's the it's Spider-Man: Homecoming. I think that that was a perfect Spider-Man movie. I think it set up Tom Holland wonderfully to carry on from where he started off in Civil War. Um, I think it was the launch of a whole new, exciting interpretation of these characters. And frankly, Far From Home did not carry the ball the way I hoped it would. But um, we'll see what they do with the third one. And um, so that's that's kind of what I wanted to say for Spider-Man. Um, other favorites. Um, I like Ant-Man. I think Ant-Man is hilarious. Michael Pena as... Um, <laughs> You know, his, his motor mouth roommate. He's hilarious. And apparently they, they wanted to do a version of, you know, recapping the Marvel Universe in, in like an Endgame Extra or something where all the characters would be doing that with Michael Pena rapping the history. But I, I guess they, they, maybe they never got that, got that put together. That would be wonderful. But, well, now I'm sad. That would have been amazing. So, so there's that. Um but uh, yes, I mean Ant Man is great because it's so offbeat. It 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 unfortunately follows the same trope that a lot of the other Marvel movies did, in that his opponent is his evil twin, his his dark doppelganger, who's bigger and tougher and has more power than he does, and you know he's got to find a way to overcome anyway. Um, I mean, we saw that in Iron Man, we saw that in Doctor Strange, we saw that in a bunch of other movies, and, you know, in, in Hulk, frankly. So so there's really kind of a, a time to get rid of that, that whole trope. But uh, but that said, I loved Ant-Man. I thought it was great. I think that Paul Rudd, the character, really sing. Um, so 
Spider-Man, Ant-Man. Um, third choice, I think, would be Guardians of the Galaxy because, again, very off-kilter choice, very unconventional choice uh, for a company that has its pick of real high, high-level A-list stars from their comic books. The Guardians have never really been an A-list team, and mm-hmm. they kind of rolled the dice and took a chance on them, um, you know, going after the things that, you know, Abnett and Lanning had, di- had done with the characters, sort of making them fresh and new and exciting. And it worked. It paid off great, and it opened up a whole new, you know, cosmos for, for the Marvel Universe. So that's, that's yeah. me. Literally, yeah. So, um, Yuli, can I can I say something just based on what Drew has said? Actually, no, um, no. <laughs> you can't. Uh, no! <laughs> you can't. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come back to that because. Uh, all right, I I, I now I, I, I'm gonna have to say. Sorry, my world. Favorite, <laughs> my my favorite Marvel movie, um, is Iron Man. You know, and I realize it is the first one. But as far as I'm concerned, uh, it is because Iron Man happens to be my favorite Marvel superhero. And that movie that got it started was so wonderfully put together. And on top of it, it was a really good movie. The fact that this guy, it, it was the, the best films are transformative with the protagonist. The protagonist starts out one way, has some sort of experience and things happen and then by the conclusion of the movie that that individual has changed by virtue of the experiences that they have had in that movie that that's telling a good story and that was iron man to a t i mean he started out he was this selfish and self-centered arms dealer you know has the irony of being injured by one of his own weapons and ultimately has to save himself and then change his life because he decides by virtue of this experience that he has had having been held captive and uh, you know his captors demanding that he create weapons for them he decides that he wants to stop manufacturing weapons and go in a whole new way and so he becomes a lot more uh, well a lot less self-centered uh, more interested in other people and helping others. And you could really see that so well in the escape scene when uh, the uh, the scientist, uh, Jensen, who helps him escape, uh, is killed. And, you know, how you know he says to him, don't waste your life, Stark. Don't waste your life. And to me, that's the beginning of the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe right there. And then when Tony Stark in the Mark I armor, you know, comes stalking out of that cave, blowing up stuff and burning stuff. I mean, it's and on top of it, they got the story right. All of that stuff came straight out of the comic book. I mean, even down to the name Jensen, which, you know, was a different character altogether, but they got the name right, you know? So, and that's one of the things that I look at. So, uh, look, um, that musical cue means that it is time for us to take a short break because, of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington. We are community radio, community media. And essentially what that means is is that this is some place that you can be a part of. If you would like to learn about audio production or video production, you can do that right here. And our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media, offers a variety of classes online opportunities now for you to learn about producing your own media 
Visit arlingtonmedia.org or werafm today to learn how community media can enrich your life. So what we're going to do, we are going to step aside momentarily while we acknowledge our underwriters and our sponsors. We're also going to take a few moments to promote some of the other fine WERA shows that are coming up later tonight. And we'll be back right after that because... Drew and Emily and Mike and I are not anywhere near done. And I actually want to find out what the heck it was that Emily wanted to say. So stick around and we'll do that in just a moment. And we're back here on Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM. Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today uh, via the miracle of technology because, of course, we are social distancing. We are quarantining in place. We are observing the threat of the coronavirus. And I'm joined by Drew Bittner and Emily Witten and Mike Lunsford. We are talking today about the pop culture juggernaut that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And all it all it means. So uh, before we broke, uh, Drew had been saying something, and Emily had wanted to expound on that. Emily, what was it you wanted to say? Oh, what I was gonna say is that Drew makes a very good point that a lot of the villains in some of in these movies were kind of just the dark, you know, mirror of the hero. But one of the reasons that Black Panther is actually up in my pantheon of favorites, I would say. I'll pick three for you, Yuli. Guardians, Thor Ragnarok, and Black Panther. At the moment. Okay. But Black Panther has an excellent villain because he's not one note and he's not just a complete mirror of the hero of the film. And so all I was going to say is that I really like that development and I think that is one of the reasons that Black Panther does stand out as one of the most uh, impressive current, you know, modern Marvel movies. Um, I would jump in and, and totally agree with you. And I think that what happened there is Ryan Coogler very astutely had analyzed the, the Marvel movies and saw that that was the trend. And he sort of leaned mm-hmm. into it, honestly. You know, and he he created an, an amazing character who just happened to be imbued with the same abilities that T'Challa had. And the fact is that, you know, Killmonger was not so compelling because of his powers. He was compelling because he was a great character and mm-hmm. you know and and a great villain frankly will make a great movie let's also give some credit to nate moore the producer who had been fighting for the addition of black panther for some time and the opportunity presented itself in captain america civil war they needed a character who was going to be a foil nate moore said hey how about the black panther and they're like hey why not and he ended up being one of the most entertaining things about that movie and uh, of course who uh, nobody expected his solo film to do the kind of business that it did i mean you know we're talking about you know made over 700 million dollars domestically over a billion dollars worldwide and and this is a, a black character you know i mean which is no small feat i mean you know the marvel didn't expect that this is the way it was going to be they uh, they they didn't know what they had, so. And also, Shuri is a delight. I yes. just love her so much. She's Can so I, good. Uh, anyway, one of the things that I love about it is that 
the good guys are wrong. So you have uh, T'Chaka and T'Challa, and he visits uh, uh, T'Challa visits his father in the spirit world to tell him about Killmonger, and basically like asks him like, "Dad, what the heck? Like you guys left him there? Like th- we screwed up?" And his dad like, "Well, I will chose I chose country over family," and like it was just such a powerful moment because. They do this occasionally in the MCU, and it became more prevalent after that, that you saw that these heroes make these decisions that are not always the best thing, and that there's ramifications for the decisions that they make. And it really added some some depth to what these characters are and what this universe really is. And it was a, a great addition, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now I want to ask you all, uh, what is your least favorite of the Marvel movies. Mike, since uh, you're talking, um, you know, then let's start with you. Wow. That's rough. Um, I mean, my first, my gut reaction is, is Thor, the dark world. Um, just because like the villain was kind of boring. Like he, what was his motivation? I like darkness. Okay, cool. Like, it, it just it, it didn't have the same kind of punch that you would hope. The movie wasn't horrible, but, I mean, you're also talking about a, a whole other universe of movies that were just immensely better. Um, and watching almost all of these recently, like, that's the one that really stands out where I was just kind of like, meh, about the whole thing. Thor the Dark World was really the only one that I can't say, like, unequivocally that I really, really enjoyed. Um, even Iron Man 3, which also oftentimes gets a lot of crap. I enjoyed Iron Man 3. Yeah, I think Thor. I think that's the only one I really can say that I didn't really enjoy well, a whole lot. Well, here's the thing. I mean, because and, and I'm glad you said what you did because the question that I'm asking here kind of demands a great deal of objectivity on the part of each of us because what I'm asking about is your least favorite. Yeah. I mean, I will ask what you think is the worst one, you know, because yeah. that you know <laughs> that that that's that, that's a completely different answer. Um, oh. Wait a minute! I just remembered something. Are we counting the Edward Norton Hulk movie as part of the MCU? Uh, yes, we yeah, are. I, believe it does. I think. Yeah, I, believe, I believe that does count as, okay. uh, as an Pretty MCU. Sure it does. Movie. We have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. that's then that one would be my least favorite. Hmm. Aww. Okay. All right. That one. Okay. That's uh, fine. All right. Uh, Drew, Drew, what about you? Gosh, I probably would go with uh, Thor: Dark World. Also, I mean, I thought that it was sort of um, sort of boring honestly, and they had a villain that in the comic books really pops, and they didn't find any great way to make Thor compelling in this. And um, the the upshot of it is that, you know, you, you get this... It goes back to what I said a few minutes ago. If you have a great villain, you can have a great movie. And in the case of Thor Dark World, I think they got so invested in the Thor-Loki thing, which had panned out so well before... They got so invested in that that they just forgot to build a movie around the rest of it, you know. So they they didn't build a good story. They they built it around fondness for this dynamic, this character dynamic, mm-hmm. and that didn't pay. That didn't pay off at all. Mm-hmm. All right, Emily. Uh, what and and I hope sincerely that you have <laughs> one film <laughs> that you're going to mention. <laughs> it's Julie, a lot. I'm going to make your uh, life easier, if... man. I'm going to make it easier because when it comes to not favorites, I can I can drill it down to one and a couple of honorable mentions here. I agree. Thor: The Dark World is both my least favorite and the worst movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
for the reasons previously stated, I would like to give an honorable mention to Avengers Age of Ultron because I can't remember half of what happened. And another honorable mention to Iron Man 2. Uh, those, those two movies were also less memorable, but the worst and my least favorite is Thor The Dark World, which I scoff at, yes. I'm going to hit mine, and I'm also going to pivot to um, what I think is the worst of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. So, and, you know, coincidentally, uh, you know, my least favorite and the worst are, are pretty close. Um, I would have to say that um, my least favorite among the Marvel Cinematic movies at this point, um, well, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a pass on that one. I, what I will tell you is um, I think that the, the worst of these movies is actually Guardians of the Galaxy. And a lot... <laughs> A lot of look. It's 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 a fun movie. It's a fun movie. You know, it's just it's just not a particular. We can no longer be friends. No, it's it's just not a particularly good movie. You know, the problem with with oh, ensemble so films is that you gotta create these characters somehow. It worked with Avengers, but uh, Marvel's Avengers because you had these other movies that established these characters before you brought them together because there wasn't going to be time to establish the various characterizations in a meaningful way so that you knew who these characters were. You know, and that was the problem I had with Guardians of the Galaxy. If, if a couple of those people had turned sideways, they were so two-dimensional they'd have disappeared. You know, I mean, it's like what passed for character development for the raccoon was him crying, talking about how he was essentially a science experiment. You know, I mean, it was a fun movie. Don't get me wrong. I, I found it to be a very enjoyable sort of film going experience. It just as a film, you know, the and, and this has been my problem with a lot of the Marvel movies. They they ask you uh, for not only for some suspension of disbelief, but sometimes they'll hit you in the feels. You know, they'll pull the yes! tricks and, uh, and and what it does is just cover up shoddy filmmaking you know and because the Aww. movies but no but because the movies make money nobody cares because i mean hey and let's face it this is the double-edged sword of filmmaking there is okay um you know because there have been plenty of examples of people making really good films with great scripts that make no money you know it's a business that's why they call it show business and so hey if you make money doing the thing I mean, that is in large part considered validation for whatever this stuff is. So um, now I will ask you all, what do each of you think is the worst Marvel film? And not your least favorite here. This is, this is the one that you think is just the most, the poorest made, you know, whatever problems with the store, whatever. But, but you know, what, what do you think is the worst? And Emily, we'll start with you. I want to reserve my time to talk about your opinions on Guardians of the Galaxy, Congressperson. <laughs> Look, Thor the, Dark, Thor the Dark World is the worst movie, okay? It's the worst movie. We're moving on from that because Guardians of the Galaxy, what you're not mentioning here is that the feels are important. Why do you go to see movies? Do you go to see them just to see if they're faithful to the comics? Do you go to see them to see if every character is fully developed, which they should be to the extent you can in two hours? But Guardians of the Galaxy makes me laugh. It also makes me cry sometimes, depending on the moments in the movie. 
and I like rewatching it. So I disagree with you, Yuli. I will now cede my time to Drew and or Mike. <laughs> yeah, but none of what you said <laughs> makes it an actually well-made film. You know, I mean, these, oh, but these it's are a good these are movie. Pat- it's a good movie because no, I it's... like it because it makes me happy <laughs> and it makes me cry. And you know what? A lot of the Marvel movies don't make me feel. Like that one does. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Marvel movies make me feel a heck of a lot more than DC movies do. But if a, if a movie succeeds in making me have feels, then it has succeeded in doing something that a lot of other movies don't. So that's well, good. And, and, and I can't argue with that. You know, but that sort of goes back to what I was saying about if a movie makes money, does that make it – well, in one regard, it makes it a successful movie. <laughs> but, but Groot and his fireflies, that's all I'm going to say. Bless his little stick heart. I love him. Okay, so uh, moving right <laughs> along, <laughs> Drew. What do you think is the worst Marvel movie? Um, Ghost Rider. Oh, going to school. Ghost yeah. Rider is it is a Marvel it is a Marvel movie. It is, but it's not really from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, if we're no. going to throw in some of those, you know, because I wasn't looking at any of those X-Men movies and, you know, God knows that X-Men Dark <laughs> You know, we could just well, you know, say that. So I uh, what well, about, I mean, I I I wasn't going to go Marvel I wasn't going to go universe films. I wasn't going to go I wasn't going to go there because I mean, yeah, if we want to talk worst movies made from a Marvel property, then we're going to have to talk Fantastic that's, Four 2015. Well, that's, that's not. That's <laughs> not. You know, you know, I'll tell you something. That, 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 that <laughs> movie was not terrible. You know, and I was shocked when I saw it because I didn't think I was going to like it at all. But I was like, you know what? This isn't as bad as I was led to believe. Now, I, I think part of it was in terms of managing expectations. But no, I'm not letting you off the hook. I'm talking about a 22 or however many movies it is they have now. 20, that part of yeah. Oh, yeah, except. Yeah, what, what, what do you think is the worst one? I, I think I will probably go back to Thor Dark World. I mean, it just failed on every on every count. None of the character bits are that clever or that funny or that interesting. And um, the villain was lame, and the storyline itself just kind of fizzled. I mean, by the time they actually got to London and the great big battle at Greenwich, I'm like, oh, man, who cares? It's awful all the way through. So... You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner, Emily Witten, and Mike Lunsford. And we are having a very spirited conversation about the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Now, one thing that I want to make sure that I I get in is, um, and this is part of the problem with these Marvel movies for me, um, there are a lot of them that aren't really that good, and audiences give them a pass, uh, you know, in terms of, oh, yeah, you know, because, you know, you liked it, or, yeah, because I'll tell you something, that was, that was me and Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2 is not that good a movie. I was so hyped when I left the theater after having seen Iron Man 2, I declared it the greatest comic book movie of all time, no lie. After I had a chance to sleep on it, I, I was like, no, it, it really wasn't. But that scene where... Um, Mickey Rourke is whiplash in Monte Carlo and he turns on his rig and, you know, the coveralls start burning off of him and he's whipping the asphalt with these whips. I was screaming in the movie theater. I was so excited. <laughs> and, you know, so there's a lot of emotion that goes along with these. But, Mike, what what is your vote for the worst of the Marvel Cinematic Universe pictures? Okay. So, overall, 
if I mean, I could never be hired by a newspaper to be a movie reviewer. And the reason why is because when people are like, did you like the movie? The answer for me is almost always. Yeah, it was pretty good. Like almost always. I'm always okay with it for the most part. Um, so that's what makes this difficult. I mentioned that Thor, Thor, the dark world is kind of like, eh, it's just not as good, but I also look at it objectively where if it, if that movie wasn't as bad as it was, we wouldn't have gotten Ragnarok, which did a great character turn with Thor. So there's that, right? But same thing with the Hulk movie. Like I, I like Edward Norton as a, as an actor. It's just too bad. He's such a jerk and no one wants to work with him. Um, (laughs) That Hulk movie, I've tried to watch like four or five different times and I get almost all the way through it. And I'm just like, this is just not, I'm not interested. I don't care. And that's what sucks. Um, so it's one of those two, but also one that I might catch some crap for. Um, I really didn't think that Avengers Age of Ultron was that good. I think when you look at it, they tried to cram too much stuff into it. And the first Avengers is like a work of art. It, it, it's a perfect ensemble piece. Everything fits together. But with the second one, they had so many ideas and so many things and so many like moving parts that it was difficult to make that movie work as well as the first one. And ultimately, it's always going to be compared to the first Avengers movie. It's still a good flick. I'll still sit down and watch it. It's just like... It, it's my... It, it's in my opinion, the, the worst of all of the ensemble ones. And that includes civil war. Cause that's essentially Avengers 2.5. It was just like, it, it could have been so much better if they had totally focused agreed, on one Mike. thing. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad. Totally agreed. I'm oh glad yeah. No, it's, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> no, and, you won't get and, crap from me on that. You won't yeah. get anything from me. Well, and, and this sort of takes me to, uh, you know, and I, I kind of alluded to it, uh, in what I was saying a couple of minutes ago, because, uh, what has happened with these films, they've captured the imagination of movie-going audiences around the world because of the artfulness of the filmmaking. You know, you have created this shared universe that draws upon some of the things that were best about the comic books. One of the things that I always loved about Marvel Comics is the fact that all these characters inhabited the same world. And you might be reading a Marvel comic and, uh, you know, it might be the Avengers or something. And, you know, they'd show, like, Doctor Strange in a panel because somebody was driving through Greenwich Village. Or, you know, here's Daredevil or Spider-Man or something. And, uh, you know, or there'd be an episode issue, sorry, issue, not episode, of the Fantastic Four where Daredevil would team up with them. Or Spider-Man would be a guest star or something. And, you know, the fact that all of these characters you knew were somewhere in this universe and that they would periodically show them to you and tease them to you in the other books made it feel real and there was something great about that because it's like oh we could run into these people at any time depending on what was going on and so by drawing upon that you have instantly connected with a whole generation of comic book readers and you have piqued the interest and curiosity of a whole new generation of moviegoers. But all that having been said, like I said, a lot of these movies are deficient. I mean, we've called, and some of them are fun. I mean, we've called out Iron Man 2 and uh, Thor, The Dark World. Honestly, Thor, the first one, if you're being honest. Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, Age of Ultron, uh, Doctor Strange, um, 
you know, these are all totally underwhelming films, you know, if you really look at them. I mean, I think it's a lot easier, you know, to look at the, the big movies and, you know, because Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame took filmmaking to a whole new level in terms of the anticipation on, of the audience, the number of characters that you crammed into these movies. And frankly, I think it set the bar really high. I, I don't know how you, how you top or how you compete with some of those movies. So, Drew, reactions? I think... I think you're basically on the money. I think that there are certain problems with probably any of these movies that we could look at and say, this is, this is where the movie breaks, or this is a plot hole that is not really sufficiently resolved, or, you know, whatever. Um, I think where I come back to it is that the movies are just generally really entertaining, and I have so much fun watching them and getting invested in them, and it's not yes. that they're generally deep meditations on the human condition and the role of man and Superman struggling against a, a, a vast and harsh and pitiless and uncaring universe and, you know, all these things. It's, it's relatively, you know, it's bumper sticker philosophy for the most part. And that doesn't mean it's not a lot of fun. And frankly, I go to these movies to be entertained. And um, I feel like in 90% of the cases, I've really gotten my money's worth. There have been a couple where I walk out and say, well, that wasn't what I was looking for, you know. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm overall pretty happy with where it's gone. And I want to see where it goes next. Okay. Uh, Mike? I wonder... If, because when I sit there and I think about movies that I truly disliked in general, I wonder if because, I mean, I read Marvel comics when I was a kid, but it wasn't like my thing. Star Trek, Star Wars, those were like my babies. Those are like, those are the things that I love the most. With Marvel stuff, because I don't have that close tie to it, if they start doing different things with the characters, like a perfect example would be, again, I just watched Captain Marvel last night. The scroll were used very differently in Captain Marvel than they were in the comic books. And the scroll were more like, you know, hey, we're these people without a home. But like in the comics, it was like, hey, we're people without a home and now we're going to take over your world. So that never bugged me. And I know for some people are, they're very like, you can't mess with that because this is the character and this is the way that it needs to be. So for the most part with the MCU stuff, like if you take liberties with the character, sweet. I love it. Cool. Do some creative stuff. There's nothing that I'm so tied to that it's going to upset me. And I'm willing to overlook these movies because when I watch them, it's just, for me, it's escapism. It's that, that's why like Captain Marvel didn't bother me. And maybe, you know, also because I'm not a scumbag, but, like, I didn't care that it was a woman, you know? Like, I, I thought it was awesome. I thought she was snarky. I thought she was a smartass. I thought, I was like, this is awesome. She's, she's, a, she's a cocky fighter pilot, and that's awesome because that's what she's supposed to be. And, like, it doesn't matter if it's a guy or a girl. Like, it, it, it has zero bearing on any of this whatsoever. And she was just a cool character, and she can shoot, like, photon blasts out of her hands. How dope is that? Like, I, I just... Agreed. And I, I've never been that type of person. Like, I didn't watch Black Panther thinking there's not enough white people in this movie. Who cares? Like, he's a cool dude. He's got these cool little, like, retractable kitty claws. And, like, he has to eat this, like, ancient herb to, to stay strong. Cool. Sweet. And, like, uh, they have all this dope technology. I've never picked these apart. 
there, there's been a couple of instances where I'm like, okay, so that's where you're going to go with this? All right, cool. Like, uh, first one that comes to mind would be Iron Man 2, because I knew that they wanted to do, and correct me, Drew or uh, Yuli, if I'm wrong, but they wanted to, is it, was the story called The Demon Within, where it talks about... Uh, Demon in a Bottle. Demon in a Bottle, thank Demon you. Demon in a Bottle, yep. yeah. where it talks about yeah, Tony's alcoholism. They wanted to do that story, but Disney wouldn't let them. So they only got little bits and pieces yep. of it into, into uh, Iron Man 2. Um, but they made it the whole, like, I can't remember what, uh, was it Palladium? What his um, core was made out of, yeah. and that was the poisoning that, uh, yes. that was happening. So they had to turn it into that because they wanted to make him more heroic or whatever Disney's reason was. That didn't really bother me. But again, too, I, I don't have that, like, tie to it like so many other people do. Mm-hmm. All right, um, Emily, uh, you're going to get the last oh. word on this. Um, you know, all we're right, almost out of right. time, though, so yep, just yep. be mindful. Mm-hmm. So I got to say, first of all, Mike, if anything's your baby, it's got to be Baby Yoda because that just makes sense. Uh, second of all, I His totally agree with both Drew. Get it right. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> the Yodling. So oh, the Yodling, yeah. I saw the Yodling. I saw when you posted that, and I was like, oh, I'm oh. so jealous. Um, but <laughs> holding, holding uh, second. Like an yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I agree with both Drew and Mike that, like, if they take some liberties, as long as the feel is still, it still makes sense and ties in and fits with the universe, I'm comfortable with it. When they go way off script, that's when I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. But as long as it, you know, fits into what the canon of the MCU feels like and fits into what the feel of the character is overall... Or, you know, or if it's a lesser known, like the scroll, I can, I'm not so upset about them changing something like that because they're not a core character that we all super care about in the MC, in the non, in the comics. So, you know, I'm, I'm with them on that. And also Drew makes a very good point. I want to enjoy my movies. And so I do think it's important to have a well-told story in a well-crafted movie because that's part of the enjoyment. But part of it is just the fun. Uh, for which I will say, along with Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man, we didn't talk enough about Thor Ragnarok. That is a super fun movie, and I will say not only do I enjoy watching it repeatedly, but I'm looking forward to Thor Love and Thunder, because I just love the name, and I can't wait to see what they do with that. So yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, that I understand that Love and Thunder thing. Uh, you know, that's going to be Jane Foster as uh, Lady Thor, you know, which is, uh, you know, uh, something that they did in the comic books. But uh, you know, uh, the people tend to look at things a lot of the time and they say, oh, I liked it. That was good. No, there's a lot of stuff that I like that totally sucks. And just because I liked it doesn't mean that it was actually any good. And so I, I'm objective enough to be able to say, all right, I liked this, but it wasn't it had these flaws. It wasn't especially well made or, you know, whatever. And with the only thing that troubles me about the Marvel movies is people look at them and they're like, oh, these are good. But they're not all good. That's all I'm saying. It's like that is yeah, a you very like, fair point. They're not all good. You know, so. This is a very and, fair point. But I'd like to thank my panelists and you too for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show, and if you happen to be in the Arlington area where this station is broadcasting, you can see it tonight on Arlington Independent Media, Comcast Channel 69, Verizon Files Channel 38. Also, if you want to see, listen to this show again, you can, because it re-airs each and every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. And tell your friends it's streaming if they're out of the listening area, WERA.FM, and be sure to check 
out the website at fantasticforum.tv where we have complete episodes of the television show and the radio show. We've got segments of the television show broken out simply for your enjoyment and for your convenience. And of course, tune in again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. Have a great rest of the weekend. Try and stay safe. Remember, the coronavirus has not gone away, people. <laughs>